Hey guys, welcome back to Anchor in the Book. Pastor's ah. chair and Pastor Joseph. <laughs> that was he. I am me. We are joined again today uh, by Dr. Ken Quick, who uh, you have already heard from previously. Uh, just to go over the bio details uh, really quickly again, Dr. Quick, um, former pastor, former professor, doctor uh, of psychology, um, Dean well, correct? Right. Dean well, doctor of ministry. So uh, well-rounded, leads an organization or is a part of an organization uh, that deals with broken and hurting churches. And our general topic for today is what we kind of all have an, a concept of what church should be. When we, when we walk into a church and we say, ah, I didn't like the way this felt, or I'm looking for a church that has, we list our things X, Y, or Z. But fundamentally, a church is both a structure of uh, an organization, I should say, that works in a particular way, and an organism that has real connections between the various parts within that organization. and. If the organization and the organism are aligned in such a way that doesn't work, it creates pain. And most of us have experienced pain in a church context. If you haven't, it's because you haven't gone to a church. Because the reality is, uh, life is full of pain, to quote the pirate Wesley. Um, But so is the church. Because life is full of pain, so is the church. We should expect it. The question is, when we encounter it, what do we do? Do we do we run? Do we head for the hills? Do we engage? Do we blow it up and make it worse? Do we defame it as being completely useless? That that's the question that we all have to wrestle with. Uh, Doctor Quick, you have spent a lot of time, a lot of hours, uh, with a lot of churches, helping them to look at, think through, and answer this question. Uh, and that's kind of what I wanted to um, explore this morning. So with that, um, can you, my introduction to this was actually because the associate pastor I was working with at the time was taking a class called uh, Exegeting the Church. He mm-hmm. told me about it. It sounded extremely fascinating from a counseling and a ministry point of view. I took it um, and I was honestly blown away by the concepts that you were um that you were going through. Can you give us just a thumbnail of how you think of the church, where its strengths are, where it can go wrong, and what the impact of a problem can be? Well, that's pretty tall order. <laughs> well, we've got, we've got till next week, so. <laughs> we'll be talking from now till then. Um, but uh, the church is at the same time uh, as being a very unique entity. It's also modeled by several of the things that God has created for all of us to experience. Uh, Primarily by that, I mean uh, a family. We are born into a family. Mm -hmm. And so the church, in a sense, is uh, just when we all experience spiritual birth, uh, we're born again of the Spirit, uh, this now uh, is, in a sense, a new family, uh, people who are now related to us at a spiritual uh, genetics level rather than a physical genetics level. And uh, that connection of the Holy Spirit in each one of us 
um, creates a uh, sense of connection that is deeper than a workplace or you know a social club, any place else we might go. It's how that works out. You know, living in a sin cursed world like we do, um, our human families often are a place where we experience. Uh, pain that is is not good, um, either through a lack. Of, I mean, there's so many ways uh, that uh, we can experience uh, brokenness at the level of the people who ought to love us, ought to value us, ought to take mm-hmm. care of us, uh, either abandon us, are too wrapped up in their own needs, uh, are addicted, are um, they can't get along with each other, so they divorce, and the wounds that we experience make it very, very hard for us to grow up in a healthy way. Uh, we start making decisions to protect ourselves, and uh, all of that uh, produces weakness in terms of our human development. Uh, we just have uh, struggles to uh, become everything that we have the potential of becoming. In the church, I think you see a very similar pattern, and uh, I I think that um, God gives us several metaphors to try to help us understand how Mm -hmm. that works. Um, The most powerful of which, and the one that we use most often, is what in our organization that we uh, go out and help uh, dysfunctional churches, broken churches. organization is called Blessing Point, which you can look up and kind of see uh, where we're coming from at blessingpoint.org, www.blessingpoint.org, and get, if you're interested, to kind of, you know, dig a post hole in that. Uh, you well, you said dysfunctional out. churches, right? So if you're a part of a dysfunctional church, yep. which you are. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, the, uh, but the, the model that we use is what we call a medical model for the church. A lot of churches, a lot of pastors, a lot of staff work on the basis of an organizational model, more of a business type model, uh, where uh, they try, they treat the, the problems that they experience at a church level as organizational issues, rather than our approach, which is to look at it as a medical problem. That is, the church is a body, and when it gets unhealthy, it's just like an unhealthy uh, physical body. Mm-hmm. And what we need is uh, God to let us know what's what's wrong with this body so that we can get better and use his resources to heal. Um, so I think that's much more the biblical picture of what a church is it's a family and it's a body and um just like again being in this incursed world we have broken families uh we can also experience uh brokenness at the level of a church the the thing that breaks and uh you guys were talking before we uh got on the air here Mm -hmm. but the thing that breaks and and is most important to god is uh, faith and trust. Mm-hmm. Faith and trust is the coin of the realm for God. You don't get into the kingdom without faith and trust in him and in what he says. So the veracity of God, the 
the the fact that when God speaks, he tells the truth. Mm-hmm. And he loves us. He loves us unconditionally. That these characteristics uh, are part of what fuel uh, our faith and trust. It's what broke in the Garden of Eden. God said, don't how, eat how of so? that tree. If okay. you do, you'll die. As you'll surely die. And when presented with an alternative, when he was presented with the alternative, uh, God's keeping something from you. He knows that the day you eat of it, you're going to be like him. And, and so he's trying to prevent you from getting that. Eve had a choice of who, sh- who am I going to believe? Right. Who am I going to trust here? And we know the choice you made and we've all paid the price for it. So but, at a very basic level, trust in this, in this sense is, do you take me at my word? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's for God, that's kind of bottom line. And, uh, and then I think it goes beyond that to, uh, you know, the responses of, if I believe you, then what, am, how am okay. I going to respond to you? Okay. I'm going to let down barriers. I'm not going to de- protect myself, uh, because of, I think that you're going to rip me off. You're going to take something from me that I want to keep. Um, no, I let all my barriers down. I let you close. So here's the other thing that trust creates. The, the possibility of, and that's intimacy. Mm-hmm. If you do not trust the person, your wife, your husband, your pastor, your teacher, you will not let them close. You'll protect yourself. So that's where faith really meets the road. Uh, if I am unwilling to let barriers down to draw you close and be close with me, um, then that means my faith is not very good or strong in you. Um, and the same is true with God. So, uh, growing up in a broken family, this incursed world, it's, uh, none of us grew up with perfect families, but depending upon the nature of the pain we've experienced, right. we now enter the church and we've got stuff we have to overcome to be able to, to trust people, to trust Christ. That's happening in our personal life of walk with God, but it's also happening in terms of church and church leadership. And if I've had Parents that have not seen me, have not recognized what I've got that I need, uh, I'm going to come in and I'm not necessarily going to believe when I walk through the door that the people who are in leadership in this church are any different than my parents were. I'm, I'm, living, I'm living out of my wounds. I'm living exactly. out of my pain. And, okay. and Christ knows how deep those wounds are. So he is, this is where if we trust him even a little, he will guide us to a place. A lot of times, and this is what we've got to understand how church works. A lot of times church is, the church he guides us to is there to not only build good things into my life, but also to reveal the deep wounds that he wants to heal in my life. Now, the way those wounds get manifest is by the experience of the similar type pain that we had when we were growing up. And I believe church in that sense, just like, again, if you take the medical image, the body image, um, is a hospital for us 
to not only get fed and grow spiritually by the discipleship process that the church may be providing, but also by exposing wounds and deep things that Christ is calling us out of, that what our earthly family broke, his family, if it's done correctly, can heal. So let me ask you a question about that. Are, are you then saying that, I mean, the church is built up of, of so many different people with so many varied experiences. And, and sure, we can say that, you know, in the range of experiences, there are large groupings or large categories that we all kind of have experienced something. And But in a church of, say, 150 or 200 people, or even a church of 70 people, if I'm walking in and the wound is, um, my father is an abusive father, are, are you saying that God will place me into a church where I will again experience father type abuse? Or are you saying that I will feel that wound hit even if the fatherly type abuse is not taking place because of my own expectations and experiences and wounds or sort of a mix of the both or, you know, all three? Yeah, you've taken an extreme situation where I've had an abusive parent. Uh, and I think uh, as a pastor, um, you guys have had pastoral experience. You probably know that you've had people in your church who've experienced that depth of a wound. Um, and for sure, how challenging it is because, the, again, the thing that's broken there is their ability to trust. Mm-hmm. And again, because that's the coin of the realm relationally with God. It's how we get close to the, the struggle in discipleship is my faith has to grow. I've got to grow in my faith. But the, the fundamental um, thing that needs to be there is that I believe that the person I'm relating to has number one my best interests in mind. Number two is not going to hurt me unnecessarily if, if if I need discipline or something like that. But right. that's okay. But uh, if I'm being hurt for you know inexplicable reasons, uh, no, that's not okay. And and again, I'm going to have trouble um, believing and trusting that that this person is is someone I can get close to. So I think it, the, the the struggle is is at the human level we're still dealing with sin. So your your church leaders, your elders, your small group leaders, uh, your disciplers, uh, they're still dealing with sin, and they're trying to overcome it. But God has placed you in in relationships in the church that you're going to uh, that are intended to help the discipler who's got his own or her own issues. Mm-hmm. as well as your own. So again, you're all on a journey to, that where God has wisely put you in places that these things are being exposed, that he and his love and uh, grace are seeking to call us out of and heal. So I think that a lot of times uh, church becomes the place that some of that stuff gets exposed by some of the unhealthy things that go on if, and this is a big if, if the leadership of the church is conscious and aware of what God's purposes are for the, the uh, institution that they belong to, why he has called them there, and what they can expect in terms of their role 
as leaders within this body. Okay. So, um, I mean, I, it's it's complex. I, I, again, I, in working with dysfunctional churches uh, and hearing their stories, I constantly, and I do mean constantly, all caps, um, feel like an infant or like a small child learning the depth of God's dealing with his uh, redeemed people as he is attempting to heal all that is broken in their lives and has drawn them to this location of this group of people that are part of his family now, that he is wanting to heal them all, all. He wants to deal with all the things that the world, the cursed world, has broken in their lives, and he's put them in this place with people who have the Spirit of God with, uh, you know, alongside them and within them uh, to restore and make whole the individual that he wove in their mother's womb uh, and make them all that he intended them to be. Uh, but he's got to repair the trust that's been broken, <laughs> and that takes an uh, you know, the challenge of that all of us feel in in the path that, that Christ has us walking as disciples is uh, enormous. And to, to be in a church that's causing me pain, um, you know, I got to understand where that pain's coming from. It's so easy to stick my finger out and blame people. But I got to talk to the Lord who put me in this body, who led me here. Uh, to understand why I'm here at this point and experiencing these things and what this pain is showing me about myself, um, as well as what it's showing the church in the, in the larger sense. So okay. I'll stop there and let you guys, you probably have quite, I'm generating, I'm talking a lot about <laughs> deep, deep things fantastic. It's fantastic. <laughs> deep things here, but, but absolutely true about the sovereignty of God in our lives and how he works and where he puts us. Well, uh, I'm just going to say, I, I'm tempted at a comment like that to make a joke, you know, about your infancy and all these years, but the reality <laughs> is, while, I could, while we could all make a joke about that, it, it really is comforting to know that what we're, what we're walking through here is being done by the will and the hand and the heart of a sovereign, powerful, infinite, eternal God. Right. That's an amazing thought to to settle on. Dave, I do have questions, but I don't want to hijack our podcast. Uh, so it, do you have something? Yeah, yeah. I'd, uh, um, I'd like to know, how do you know when you're done? Because I had a how question. How do you know what? When you're done? Yeah, like there, like when we talk about healthiness, um, like what's the definition of healthy? But then it was like, okay, well, maybe it's not even getting the person 100%, it's training them and, you know, in the trust and, and other things so that they can do it themselves. And therefore they're headed in the proper direction. Like, how do you know? Okay. If it's some hope. Is it yeah, exactly. We've, we've bumped into dysfunction. <laughs> we recognize it's here. This is the church in our community and there is no other. <laughs> um, is there a pot of gold of, at the end of this rainbow? Um, you know, we know that we are, we need to grow where we're planted and, we're working on the trust stuff um, or we're trying to put in some healthy boundaries so that we can work on the trust stuff with God. Um, how 
or where would you find hope to say, okay, yeah, we're moving or we're done with the work we came into in helping this dysfunctional church is now functioning properly or it's like, how do yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, let me talk. Uh, you, you got two things going on here. You got the individual uh, as they were experiencing things. And then you've got the corporate body that uh, it had the way I would, the way I think of this is in terms of tracks or paths that we walk a uh, great verse uh, or set of verses in Psalm 139. Um, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there is any interesting Hebrew translation. Get translated a number of ways, but uh, but the Hebrew says, any way or path of pain in me mm. and lead me in the path everlasting. Um, so it's like, so God, I'm asking God to search me now and see if there is any way that I walk that leads me to pain, uh, any set of habits, any way of thinking, any part of me that's headed, that's going to, the end result is going to be pain for me. And that he has another path that he can lead me in. Uh, now, the, ch the ch challenge is often that I've got to experience the pain at the end of the, the path that I'm on to, to realize I need to make a different choice. So uh, here's the way I would describe to answer your question, Dave, is that at an individual level, we have three directions we can go. We can go down the path of pain. Mm -hmm. uh, and that takes us away from what God's intention is for us. Uh, that keeps the brokenness intact. Mm -hmm. That makes us weak. That makes faith hard. Uh, that makes growth limited. But it's comfortable. Yes, it's, and it's familiar. <laughs> That's why it's called a path. We've been down this way a lot. We've, we've worn the track. Uh, so, so, and it's interesting to me that the psalmist is praying that God would reveal this because a lot of times we don't realize mm -hmm. that we're on that path. We don't realize that the choices we're making always take us to the same location that is painful to us, mm -hmm. right. uh, whether it's shame pain, whether it's, um, you know, behavior pain, whether, you know, it just, just something uh, produces pain. The second path is to stay at the same level, to not go up or grow and not necessarily to fall back, but to maintain and I think a lot of us in our spiritual lives feel that sometimes, that we've reached a ceiling. Mm -hmm. There's a lid on our growth. We can't seem to get past it. We don't know how to, to get through whatever it is that's now kind of, but kind of keeping us at this same spiritual level. Right. And then the third, of course, is the path that goes upward. Uh, it's narrow. It's difficult. <laughs> few there are that find it, mm -hmm. but it is uh, the path that Christ, Christ ultimately wants to lead us on because he knows what's at the end of that path for us, and that's the everlasting way. Um, so uh, in a church, when I come to a church, it's to make the application clear here, 
there are constantly going to be presented to me and often exposed in me the path that I'm on. So uh, I may make claims about discipleship. I may say out loud I'm committed to, to Christ and following him. But I'm actually, the reality is I'm either headed upward, I'm maintaining and not going one way or the other, or I am headed the wrong direction. And a lot of times the church experience is there to expose if I'm not on the right path. In other words, this is not about reaching a position. This is about trajectory. Yes, ultimately. And I think the great men of the scriptures that God presents to us as examples of faith, uh, Hebrews 11, but we'll just take one from the Old Testament, like Abraham. Abraham was confronted with things where we, God specifically lets us see paths of pain that he has as issues. <laughs> he does yep. that with all his heroes. We see all their paths of pain because God wants us to recognize, you know, to see that these guys aren't perfect. I don't, you know, I'm not expecting perfection out of you, but what we do see is the trajectory of their lives that when confronted with a path of pain, yeah, sometimes they'll fall back into it, but sometimes we watch them overcome, which mm -hmm. is a loaded biblical term. They have to okay. overcome. All right. So you're you're then moving on to the question I was going to ask you, which is, so for this process to take place, um, sort of a two part here, what is necessary? Um, and it sounds like overcoming is a part of that answer. We can flesh that out. Uh, but second question is, who is responsible for providing what is necessary? I mean, I'm thinking as a church leader, there's a leader laity divide. There's a male-female divide. There's an old-young divide. There's lots of ways that I can categorize an us versus them within my local church or in my own experience. Um, who is responsible for providing what's necessary for us to walk on this trajectory? Yeah, well, I think when we're young in our faith, uh, there is an expectation that someone is going to be watching over us. You see, again, you're just hearing now terminology that the scripture uses to describe spiritual leadership, uh, overseer, um, you know, elder. Uh, these are terms yeah. and even the qualifications that we see Paul use to describe an elder uh, in a church. Mm -hmm. uh, all describe things. It's interesting because every one of the characteristics in First Timothy 3 that Paul lists as qualifications for an elder are all things that if they were not present, it would be hard to trust the individual. Mm. It's not one of the things that you often hear is why this list. But if an individual is not doing those things, it's not just a moral standard that God is setting. He knows relationally what each one of those things produces in a relationship. Now, again, if, I have a, if I'm a broken person, I come in and I can be relating to a, a person who has uh, 1 Timothy 3 in line is keeping those things. But my brokenness now still doesn't trust him because, you know, I, I've never had a trust trustworthy person in my life to 
uh, you know, uh, show me how this works. So again, so God's going to lead me to a place where the potential for me, if I'm able to follow him and listen to him, uh, can, uh, again, expose some of the bad stuff and then heal it and restore it. Uh, if I am willing to hang on to him and, and trust that he's going to get me through this and show me what I need to, to, to heal from. But again, I'm in a church where a lot of times the intention of God is to make this family healthy. I've got to show them all what, what broken things they're leaning on and the paths of pain that they're going down in order to restore them to and let the church become what the instrument in their lives uh, that helps uh, bring them closer to me and as a result of their trust increasing closer to each other. Uh, again, without trust, I, I'm not going to be intimate. I'm not going to be close to anybody. Right. right. So, so, so even in an issue where leadership is, uh, is operating in a way that is clearly problematic, it's not sufficient to say that leadership is the problem. It's necessary that the organization be invested and working together to seek to seek what God is doing to change his church in this context and for the individuals in that leadership to be asking God, how are you changing me? Not just, it, it wouldn't be sufficient for the, for me as a church member to look and say, well, the leadership has a problem. So God needs to change them. If I'm sitting with you and we're going through the first steps, if my position is I'm not a part of the problem because I'm not in leadership, that will likely be a, um, a hindrance to the entire process moving forward, um, potentially. Is that, is that accurate? Yes, I think it is. And it's, uh, it's, it's put a different way than I would put it, but I think that's always good. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, again, God is the amazing thing about God. And this is where his infinitude and his love and his grace gets manifest in ways that it, it, this is what makes me feel like an infant when I deal with church <laughs> is that he's doing this at a corporate level with however many people are in the church. Gosh, you know, I wonder if it had gotten more complex for him with, with mega churches. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, he is doing this with every single individual in the church. Uh, he has got them on a path and he is uh, seeking to help them overcome uh, what is broken in their lives and what is broken in the church and what is uh, broken in society, all the brokenness they're experiencing, that this has become the place where he has brought them to uh, this lo location with these people at this time, each and every one of them, in order to make them more like his son, to, to lead them in a path of sanctification, lead them into an everlasting path. But they have to have, you know, they're either praying this, the, the Psalm 139 verse, you know, show me my paths of pain, or they're not praying that, but it doesn't keep him from wanting to show them their paths of pain. So they get it exposed. <laughs> and he's doing that in every single individual's life that's in that church. Um, so again, I think this is where we become. You know, as as we we recognize what the church is and what God intends this uh, 
body to be and to become um, just the, the, the nature of what God has to be able to do in his sovereignty. Uh, and, and he knows what he's doing. He really knows what he's doing. So he puts us in places that we would not have anticipated. Um, so I, I look back on my experience in my Toronto, in both my Michigan church, uh, which again, as I explained uh, last time we were together, you know, these people were insanely patient with me as I grew uh, and, and, you know, learned ministry. But then to a Toronto church, which was geared to expose my paths of pain. So I'm at a leader level level now. I'm senior pastor of a church of close to 500 people. And with marvelous strengths, but extraordinary weaknesses from its own path. Uh, things that it, it had experienced uh, 10 years before I got there with a horrific split that was centered around the relationship between the pastor and the elder board. And that broke trust in both primarily in the elders, but also in the pastor. Uh, and so the next pastor came and he tried to lead and he experienced failure after failure after failure. He was a great leader. He ultimately became the head of the denomination. That's how good a leader he was. Um, the, that he was recognized by the whole organ, you know, whole group of churches that this is the guy that we want to lead us. But in that church, every initiative that he brought to the church, the church resisted because they no longer trusted pastor. So you, you write about in your book, um, specifically healing the heart of your church in the first edition, because I haven't read the second edition yet, but I'll get that. Right. The um, you write about essentially case studies, and you describe one church where, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly, the church itself had experienced a particular wound, had received a wound, something like 50 or 70 or even more years before you came in and started working with the church. Am I remembering that accurately? Uh, well, we've done churches now that go back to the 1800s, uh, one that started in 1806 that had its first split in 1816. And, um, and what you're saying is that the wounds that were done at that time carry forward to the present day, or, or at least until they're dealt with, do. Yeah, I mean, and this, this is a part of our theology as Christians, uh, as Bible believers. Um, you know, why is it we're born sinners? Uh, and, you know, I always, I will sometimes ask this, when churches are struggling with this very, very thing that you've articulated, uh, Jeremy, that, because uh, they do, they struggle with, you know, mm -hmm. so you're saying, because they'll often say it this way, you're saying that these people back in 1911 that <laughs> right. did this, that we're we're still carrying the you know that God is holding us responsible for what they did. Are you saying that? And and the answer like, is like not only are they gone, but no one from their families <laughs> even, and none of their no, friends are I mean, here. We are so far from that. How on earth could God be doing that? But but you know, my question is, you know, this is this is theology. You know, how is it that who here was not born a sinner? Raise your hand. And, uh, you know, and of course, everybody looks around to see if everybody's raising their hand, you know, because 
Yeah, okay, I know, I believe that. I was born a sinner. Well, why were you born a sinner? Uh, I think it has something to do with Adam. (laughs) So you're telling me that you're being born into this world sinful because of something that happened however many centuries ago. Mm-hmm. And God is holding you, you're coming into the world responsible for the sin that was committed there. And the way God views it, the way the scripture has it, is that we were there when Adam did that. Mm. So the nature of spiritual genetics. We were present in Adam when he did that. When in a church, I think the reality of spiritual genetics is very, very powerful. Um, we were there when the church split back in 1816. We were there when the pastor was immoral, uh, you know, in 1902. We were there when the uh, deacon absconded with church funds back in eight, or 1960. Uh, we were there when the, the black kid, uh, black teenager, was lynched down the street from our church. Um, so, you know, we were there. And that's the way God views it. If if it's never been rectified, the, the the thing is, there's an account that that is put to, and the church continues to receive God's discipline on them for the failure that they had until they ultimately get it right and rectify it and take responsibility for it. So, Looking at this medical model, it is theologically. It is one body of Christ. When, when, if I go and plant a church tomorrow, Christ doesn't grow a new arm. Right. He's got one arm, and wherever my church fits in his body, if there's a pain there, it's got to be dealt with. It doesn't go away because Christ doesn't go away. Well, I think if you're starting a church, now you're, depends on how you're starting it. Uh, we've got stories. I like to do it through a violent split. <laughs> yeah, then you're carrying stuff. Uh, a split obviously carries wounds uh, from the previous, and, and the, the major one of which is uh, a wound in relation to authority, because that's what a split means. Uh, that's always what a split means. So, um, you know, the, the, the impact of this, and, we, uh, you know, we're digging a, a pretty deep, post hole here uh, in terms of kind of what you originally started with in terms of a young believer coming into a church and what do I look for? But these are the realities of kind of why Christ would lead you to a church that may be struggling with stuff, that its pain often will expose your own, and Christ is calling all of you, all of you, to heal from that. So the pastor has something to heal from, the small group leader that's working with you, discipler, has something to heal from, and the church may be exposing uh, what that is. And so I know, and, talk, and just saying that out loud to you guys, you're thinking about your own experiences and where you may even be at this moment in terms of painful things that you're experiencing and why Christ would put you in this location at this time exposing these things. It's because he wants all of us to heal, but he has to show us where our path of pain is to get us to be willing to be led in an everlasting way. And uh, we may have things in that path of pain that we have to take responsibility for 
to choose a trajectory that is different than the one that the path of pain leads us on. Um, so, but that's discipleship. That's what I believe discipleship right. is. It is faith-based. I have to trust that God will lead me, show me this path of pain. As hard as much of my life it may have been built around protecting myself from that kind of pain, nevertheless, I still experience it because I haven't dealt with it in a way that's healthy. So that's how he makes people saints uh, in the kind of Catholic sense that, that they become sanctified uh, by what they deal with um, and become more trusting of God who is leading them now in a way that um, reflects more and more of Christ's presence in their lives as these things get healed. I really like the way that you landed that because this, this really isn't about someone being at fault and someone having to correct a mistake or heal a wound. This is ultimately about us as a group of individuals and then us as a corporate body saying, I will choose to trust God because God is for me. He loves me. He's at work here to do and to will of his good pleasure and to make me into a person and a part of a corporate body that bears good fruit. And since that's his goal, I can align myself with this. I can trust him. I'm not necessarily trusting you, my boss, or you, my pastor, or you, my small group leader. I'm trusting God that he will work through you for my good in the midst of this pain. Well said. I get, uh, I get really excited about this, Dave. I do apologize about keeping no you quiet worries. here, man. No worries, no worries. <laughs> We're going to wrap this up. And uh, thanks for listening. I know that we're going to continue with uh, Dr. Kenneth Quick to talk about um, spiritual disciplines. Um, so this conversation will continue. You can catch it in the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. Have a blessed day.